Zolana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. So if you listened to last episode, you probably remember me raving about Susan B. Anderson's new reversible toys book called Topsy Turvy Inside Out Knit Toys. So I want to start out this episode today by announcing the winner of this adorable book from last month's drawing giveaway. I randomly selected between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Jill, or J-I-L-L-I-A-U on Ravelry. I spelled that because I didn't know how to say it, and I didn't want to humiliate myself. Congratulations, Jill. I'll be in touch with you shortly to get this amazing little book mailed on out to you. And to everyone else that entered but didn't win this time, thank you so much for your participation. There will be a new drawing for you to enter that I will be talking about later in this episode, so please stay tuned, and I really hope you'll enter again. You never know. There's always next time. So since the last time I recorded, I have been quite busy. And around the beginning of September, my husband and I traveled through five eastern states via eight plane flights, two train trips, and multiple buses, taxis, and subways over the course of only seven days. It was extremely fast-paced, but it's probably the most fun I've ever had. Remember that this trip was kind of a big deal for me. I don't hardly ever travel. I live kind of out in the country in California, so going to a big city is kind of a really new experience for me. Also, my husband and I have never even been on a big trip like this over the entire 12 years that we've been married. So yeah, it was very exciting for me. I did stop by three different yarn shops on the trip to do a little sweater finishing workshop and as well as a book signing event at each of the stores. Now the first store I visited was Argyle Yarn Shop in Brooklyn, New York, and what a wonderful experience I had there. This was a small but adorable shop run by a husband and wife knitting team. Yes, they both knit, which I thought was fabulous. And it's just also really fun for me to meet other couples that work together because my husband and I work together. So I I always just find that really cool. So the owners, David and Esther, they were so kind. They were so helpful and friendly. It was really nice to be around them. And also I met the most amazing and enthusiastic knitters there. There was one knitter in particular that was so sweet. She like knew everything about like my blog and my books and patterns. And when somebody would ask a question, she would just like answer it for me. She like knew the whole deal. It was awesome. She made me feel so special and she was so supportive. So I really enjoyed meeting her. And another knitter actually brought me a beautiful gift. This natural, gorgeous wool and hand salve from where she lives. It was so sweet. I couldn't believe it. I especially liked 
the workshop at this store because the particular group of students that were in the class were really fun. One knitter in particular was so excited when I showed her the mattress stitch. She kept saying things like, wow, this is so amazing. Look at that. Can you believe it? Her enthusiasm was infectious. It was awesome. I was so glad that she was there. Another thing I noticed about Argyle Yarn Shop is that it has a fantastic reputation. It seemed like everywhere I went, when I mentioned that I went to the shop or that I was going to this shop, the person I was talking to would always respond with, oh yes, I've heard of that place. That's a great store. Or the owners are so amazing there. Or that's my favorite shop. It was nice to visit a store that was so well-liked in the knitting community. And I could understand why. It seemed like there was a really nice, friendly vibe there. So I appreciated that. So after that event, the next day, we got up when it was still dark and hopped on a train to Philadelphia, where I visited the second shop on the tour, which is called Loop. And again, that was an amazing experience. The owner, Craig, is probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Seriously. He was extremely hospitable and extremely kind. When I first walked through the door of the shop, right in the front was a beautiful display for botanical knits. All the books and the knitted samples were all set out on the table really nicely, and there was these beautiful knitted leaves from the book hanging down off the mannequins. It was just amazing. Such a cozy and welcoming store. I again met a nice group of very supportive and very enthusiastic knitters. One wonderful knitter actually brought some beautiful knitted pieces that she had made from the Botanical Knits book, and she was wearing the Sand and Sea Shotlet from Coastal Knits, so that was really nice. And I also spent a long time talking with a knitter that I know from Ravelry, who I believe lives in Indiana, and she happened to be visiting the area the same time I was. So that was really fun that our paths crossed and that we could meet in real life. And then I spent an even longer time visiting with a knitter who was, get this people, are you ready? She was pregnant with her 12th child. 12th, that's what I said. Being somebody who finds caring for two children kind of overwhelming at times, Let's just say I was absolutely intrigued by this. This pregnant knitter and her husband were so amazing. I loved them. I wish that they were my friends in real life. The icing on the cake was when she showed me a family picture of all 13 family members wearing a hand-knit sweater that she made for them. Yes, you heard me correctly. She knit 13 adorable sweaters for herself, her husband, and her 11 children. Is your jaw on the floor? Well, mine was. I'm so unbelievably impressed, and you cannot believe how adorable this picture was. Crazy. I had a lot of fun at Loop, and a great time in Philadelphia in general. My husband and I were saying that we think that this was our favorite city to visit. It was just beautiful there, so full of history and we just really, really enjoyed ourselves. Now, we would have liked to have stayed longer 
but we had yet another train to catch early the next morning to head to Washington, D.C. And it was on the train that something rather remarkable happened. While I was making a gigantic mess of trying to apply mascara on a bumpy train ride, which I do not recommend, I spotted a knitter out of the corner of my eye, you know, through the globs of clumpy mascara. Yes, there was just this lady sitting in front of me on the opposite side of the train, knitting away. So, of course, I was really excited, and I had to strike up a conversation with her. And, of course, she was super nice. She showed me her project. We talked about yarn and stash and Ravelry. It was great. Isn't it so wonderful to have a knitting community like we do? So the last shop I visited in Washington, D.C. was Looped Yarnworks. Now, out of all the shops I visited, I have a confession to make. They were all great. They were all adorable. They were all inviting. But this one was probably the most aesthetically pleasing to me. It was this charming upstairs store made up of two octagonal rooms with these big windows and sunlight streaming in. And the walls were all lined with gorgeous selection of yarn and cubbies and hanging on the wall. There were these amazing knit samples everywhere and comfy couches to sit on. And it was just really, really inviting. And I was very impressed by the layout and the selection here. The owners of this store, Janie and Susan, were so fun, so bubbly, and just wonderful, wonderful ladies. I so appreciate their support. They were the original ones who invited me to the East Coast in the first place and got the whole ball rolling with this trip. I am really grateful to them. I, of course, had another amazing time visiting this store. At the book signing, I met many longtime blog readers and podcast listeners, which was really fun. I spotted a very sweet, adorable knitter wearing my cedar leaf shawlette pattern that was knit by her mother, who was also there and also equally sweet and adorable. I also met a fellow podcaster, the host of the Whatcha Swatchin video podcast, who was extremely, extremely kind. And I actually just recently checked out her podcast, and that is also really fun. So I invite you to check it out too. Meeting all these people was extremely great, but I have to say the highlight of the day was probably meeting this adorable eight-year-old girl who came to see me and came to get her Annie and the Swiss cheese scarf book signed. If I have the story straight, I believe that she has a grandmother who knits and who taught her to knit and gave her the book as a gift. I didn't get the impression that her parents knit at all, but they brought her to the signing, which I thought was really sweet. When I was talking to her about knitting, she told me that she has knit three cat scarves and two fairy scarves. Now, I have no idea what that means, but I thought that it was so cute. Also, she brought me this little selection of leaves that she picked for me. Okay, now, is that not the sweetest thing you've ever heard? I thought so. I just loved it. The class that I taught in Washington, D.C. also went well, but I felt like 
everybody there was already kind of an advanced knitter. So most of the things I taught were sort of review for them. But I think that everyone still had fun. I really enjoyed visiting with everybody. So that experience was a nice ending to the book tour, but it was not the end of our trip. The very next day, we took a bus through the state of Maryland and hopped on a plane to Portland, Maine, and stayed for a few days with our friends Hannah and Abe Fedig. Now remember, Hannah is the designer that I co-authored the book Coastal Knits with. And the last time I saw Hannah in person was five whole years ago when her and her husband stayed at our house in California. So needless to say, it was super fun to see them again and get to meet their adorable children. So while I was there, we had a great time talking about all things knitting. I got to see the pictures for her amazing upcoming sweater book. And we got to ride around and see all that there was to see in Maine. We went to two of the spots featured in our Coastal Knits book, which was such a treat to see in real life. I even got the full experience when I got to wear Hannah's Rocky Coast cardigan while overlooking the Atlantic Ocean at Two Lights State Park. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Maine is so insanely beautiful. It was such a cool experience to see the opposite coast of the United States. Another highlight of our trip to Maine was getting to meet our illustrator, Nisha Hudson. Now, Nisha lives in Georgia, but just happened to be visiting her family in Maine the same week that we were also visiting. I've worked with Nisha over the past few years on coastal knits, botanical knits, and of course the most on our children's book, Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf. I am simply amazed by this girl's talent. It was an honor to get to meet her in the flesh. Finally, after all these years, I felt like it was an incredible opportunity. It's probably never going to happen again that myself, Hannah, and Nisha are all standing in the same place at the same time. All in all, to sum up the trip, we just had the most amazing time. We visited so many places, saw so many things, and I'm giving you kind of the condensed version because it's kind of hard to remember everything and to fit all of the details in this episode. I also met so many fabulous people, and I really did have plans to write down everybody's name and Ravelry ID, but I didn't end up doing that, and it's really hard for me to remember everybody's name that I met, and the ones that I can remember I was afraid to mention because I didn't want to leave anybody out. So just know that if you're listening to the podcast right now and you are one of those knitters, that took a class while I was on the East Coast or stopped in to say hi or introduced yourself, I genuinely appreciate it and I greatly enjoyed meeting you. Thank you for all of your kind words, for your support, for the gifts that you brought. You all made me feel so special. Also, I would like to thank the wonderful shop owners from Argyle Loop and Looped Yarnworks who hosted me on the East Coast. You gave us an incredible experience, one we will never forget. So in this episode, I have some more books to share with all of you. This past month, where I live, the weather has really started to cool down. 
and we can finally feel fall approaching. And of course, with the weather change, it makes me think more and more about knitting. There's always hand-knit sweaters, but recently I've been really, really thinking about hats. I love to go for walks and hikes as often as I can, but I always have to wear a hand-knit hat to cover my ears when I walk. And this is kind of a recent thing, but I've discovered that when my ears get too cold, they really, really hurt. Maybe I'm just getting old or something. I don't know. But anyways, I, um, I just seem to have hats on the brain lately. And let's face it, hats are just an all-around great project to have on the needles. They're quick, they're portable, and they're a really fun way to try out different stitches because you're just working a really small project. The two books that I have to share today both deal on the subject of hats. The first one is One Plus One Hats by Iris Schreier, and it contains 30 hat patterns that call for two skeins of yarn per hat. Often in the book, I'm seeing instances of the two skeins being either different colors or different textures or thicknesses from each other, which results in some very unique examples of textured stitches and color work in these hats. It's not just two colors striped or something typical. I've seen some very, very interesting techniques used. This is not just your everyday hat book. It really does offer a unique approach in a wide variety of styles. The second book I have here is Vogue Knitting's The Ultimate Hat Book. And yes, that is a true statement. This is The Ultimate Hat Book. This is a pretty large hardcover book with 50 hat patterns in it, but that is not all. It also has articles about the history of hats. It talks about shapes of hats. It has hat techniques. And another nice feature is that the pattern pages are color-coded and divided up by category. For example, you'll find all of the lace hat patterns in one section. Like the book I previously mentioned, this book also has so much variety in shapes and styles, as well as unique techniques I've never seen before. Truthfully, some are bordering on the bizarre, and some are just downright fascinating. I don't know about you, but when I did a project, I like to have something interesting going on on my needles. Now, of course, there's always room in our knitting life, for that garter stitch something or other, just mindless TV knitting, but I really like to learn something new. Every opportunity I can get or just put something together in a unique way. And I feel like if you like projects like that too, you would seriously love these two books. Cause I look at some of these hats and I think maybe I wouldn't wear that hat, but I just want to knit it to see how you do it. They just look like they would be really fun to make. I wanted to share these books with all of you today because I think that they contain a bit of something for everyone. Now we all have a personal style preference and something that I like and I would wear, you may never wear and vice versa. I think that anyone listening who likes to knit hats or even if you don't, I think you'll enjoy flipping through these pages of these two books. They're very inspirational, to say the least. These two books will help you spruce up your hat wardrobe 
for the upcoming season, or to get ideas for some fun new hats you can make for family or friends. Because of this, I'd like to offer up these two books that have been kindly provided by the publishers to this episode's drawing giveaway. That way, all of you listening can enter to win and get started knitting fun, unique hats of your very own. So if you'd like to enter, please leave a comment under the show notes of this episode. That's episode 74 on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. And don't forget, please leave your contact information so that I can get in touch with you if you are the winner. You will have until October 15th to enter, and I will be announcing the winner on the following episode. This episode's knitting story has been kindly contributed by podcast listener Margaret. This is her personal story, entitled Matching Sweaters. My favorite knitting story starts almost 20 years ago in the fall of 1993. At that stage of my life, I had two little girls and a part-time job. I loved to knit then as I do now, but for the past several years, I'd been quite busy with my daughters, and knitting time was in short supply. I had mostly been sticking to small projects like hats, mittens, and little girl sweaters. And then one day, I went shopping. Now remember, this was 1993 before knitting had become as trendy as it is now, before internet shopping, and before my city had a nice yarn store. When I went shopping for yarn in those days, I was stuck with a mediocre little craft store that sold a little bit of yarn and other kinds of craft supplies. The selection of yarn was nothing like what it is today. The choices were limited mostly to solid colors and loud, crazy variegated stuff. But that day, I walked into the store and they had some new yarn on display. It was the most beautiful yarn I had ever seen. It was in gorgeous main colors with little flecks of contrasting colors, enough to give it depth but not enough to drown out stitch patterns. I fell in love with a dark red colorway with little bits of purple and blue. For any other old-timers listening, this was Patton's Canadiana colors, long since discontinued. Yes, it was acrylic, but almost everything was acrylic in those days, and this was really nice, soft, cushy acrylic. It was very special yarn for that time and place. And next to the yarn was a little pattern book of sweaters designed especially for this yarn. I had never felt yarn calling to me like that yarn was calling. I had to make a sweater. A sweater for me. After all, my youngest was in kindergarten now, and I had more time for knitting. I deserved a treat. I emerged from the store with the pattern book and a bag of that wonderful yarn. I picked out a pullover pattern with a big chunky cable panel down the front, and I started knitting. I did have more knitting time than I'd had in the last several years, but I still didn't have a lot. In the spring of 1994, I wasn't quite done. Oh well, I told myself, I'll finish it this summer and be able to wear it in the fall. Then came the big surprise. I wasn't going to be able to fit into that sweater in the fall. Baby number three was on the way. After the shock wore off, our family started to wait eagerly for our new member. I finished my sweater, and it turned out just as beautifully as I'd hoped. The colors were gorgeous, and the cable showed up nicely, and it was cozy and comfortable. I put it away to wear the next year. The only thing was that I had a whole ball of that beautiful yarn left over, and I'd had it too long for the craft store to be willing to exchange it for something else. What would I do with it? 
It was too nice to waste. A hat, mittens, and then I had my idea. Maybe the store had more of the yarn. I could make a little sweater for the baby with cables up the front to match mine. I was so excited about the idea of matching sweaters that I could hardly stand it. Just one little problem. This yarn was worsted weight, and I'd never made baby clothes with worsted before. All my baby patterns were for lighter yarns. But no worries. One of my favorite little baby pullover patterns included a little diagram showing the exact size and measurements of each piece. Easy to adapt that to a different gauge, right? I ran to the yarn store. But what if they didn't have any more of that yarn? But they did. Plenty left of the same colorway and even the same dye lot. Perfect. Now the only question left was whether I needed to buy one more ball or two. I wasn't sure how to translate the yardage on the pattern to a different weight of yarn. So I decided to ask the lady at the cash register. Surely she could give me advice. Big mistake. I explained what I wanted to do and my uncertainty about the amount of yarn I'd need. The lady looked at me pityingly and showed me where they kept the baby yarn and the baby patterns. I said, no, I want to make it with Canadiana to match my sweater. She said, oh, no, no, this is the yarn you use for baby clothes. I said, why? She didn't have a good answer for that, except that the baby yarn was lighter weight. I should explain at this point that we live in Canada, and I was looking for a sweater for the baby to wear outside in early spring. There wasn't any danger of heat stroke here. The cashier finally absorbed the fact that I was determined to make the sweater out of Canadiana, and started explaining that they didn't have any baby patterns for that kind of yarn, and she'd have to see if she could order some. I said, that's okay. I'll just adapt the one I've got and showed her my pattern with the helpful diagrams. My question was just about yardage. She shook her head and started to explain patiently that my pattern was meant for a different weight of yarn. And if I used worsted with it, I would end up with a sweater that was too big. I explained again that I wasn't going to follow the pattern blindly. I was going to use fewer stitches, fewer rows, do the math, and come out with front, back, and sleeves that were just the same size as the original pattern. She looked at me as if I'd announced my intention to climb Mount Everest. She sputtered and then delivered her final argument. But, but, you'd have to multiply! This might be a good time to mention that I graduated from university summa cum laude with a major in mathematics. I can multiply. Hey, I can even divide. And I was smart enough to realize that I wasn't getting any help in that store. So I just walked back to the Canadiana, picked up two balls to be on the safe side, walked back to the cash register, and pulled out my wallet. The cashier accepted my money, shaking her head as if she hated to see me wasting my time and money on a project that wasn't going to work out. I got out of the store as fast as I could and drove home, wondering if there was a chance that this lady was right and that I was nuts to be trying this. Now, my husband can confirm that I am a bit nuts in many respects, but not that time. I whipped up a little sweater in Canadiana in six-month size to give the baby time to grow into it, and it was adorable. I just hoped and prayed that it would fit in the spring. In November, my son was born. My friends at work threw a baby shower, and between that and the clothes I'd saved for my daughters and a few newborn-sized things I'd made especially for him, he had a great wardrobe. I enjoyed dressing him in all sorts of pretty things, but I looked forward to the time when he could wear the Canadiana sweater to match mine.
He was a nine-pounder at birth and grew like a weed, so I was quite happy I'd picked the six-month size. Finally, the winter was over, and it was time to pack away the snowsuits and move on to heavy sweaters. I tried the sweater on him, and it fit. For the next few months, we wore our matching sweaters almost every time we went out, and I must say, we looked amazing together. My son was one of those babies that was happiest on the move, so we did a lot of walking that spring in our sweaters. In the years since, I've knitted a lot of stuff with more sophisticated modern yarn, using fancier patterns with more advanced techniques, but I don't think I've ever been as thrilled with a finished object as I was with this pair of sweaters. Individually, each one was nice, but the matching pair, combined with my adorable baby boy, was just unbeatable. It's the only time I've ever had absolute strangers stop me to comment on my knitwear. Oh, where did you get those matching sweaters? Oh my goodness, you made them? I was so very happy that I trusted myself to go beyond blindly following a pattern to make something special. I was really glad I hadn't listened to that cashier who tried to talk me out of this crazy idea. And nobody was happier than me a few years later when a real yarn store opened up in our town with real knitters working there who could give real advice. My son's 18 now, and he's recently learned to crochet. I don't tell him this, but every time I see him with yarn and hook in hand, I think about the Canadiana sweaters. I still wear my sweater. The yarn is held up really well, and it's still cuddly and warm, and I still get the occasional compliment. I say thank you. But what I really want to say is, you should have seen my son and me in our matching sweaters. The baby sweater itself is packed away. Maybe someday I'll have a grandchild who will wear it and will let me put on my matching sweater and take him or her on a walk. Thank you again so much, Margaret, for sharing your story with all of us. If you would like to check out pictures of Margaret's beautiful knitting, I invite you to please visit her project page on Ravelry. You can find her under the name of Marge Lamb, M-A-R-G-L-A-M-B. Also, if you enjoyed Margaret's story, and while listening, it made you think of your own interesting knitting experience, please email me. I'd love to hear it, and I'd love to have you share it on a future episode of this podcast. As a reminder for everyone, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm, of course, also on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. So thank you again so much for joining me today. And I hope that you'll tune in again next month for episode 75 at the end of October. I'll have a new design to discuss that I'm really excited about. So thanks, everybody. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking from morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care
one to bad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh Burning up in flames. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had